0: There once was a place where everything was bad There was traffic pollution and everyone was sad Then along came someone who thought this was a pity An entry to stand to the real City monorail City Hey guys and welcome to Monorail City, a podcast about cities and the people, politics and pop culture that shape them. I'm your host Matthew Boyd and today we're talking with Alyssa Talley and Corey McPherson about their meal kit delivery business called Local Urban Bites. Meal kit delivery services are rapidly taking a big bite out of the food industry and Alyssa and Corey tell us all about how the delivery meal kit business works and how they're changing the way that we buy food, make food and eat food. I hope you enjoy. Great, Corey and Alyssa. Thanks so much for joining Monorail City Podcast. Really appreciate having you guys today. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Sure. So you guys are the you guys are the co-founders of uh, Local Urban Bites, which is a meal kit delivery service uh, based out of Victoria, British Columbia. Yeah. So why don't you tell us about the story of the company? What's some background on
1: it? So, uh, it started when Cory and I, we both were working corporate jobs, working quite a few hours each day and we would go at the end of the day looking for something to, to eat at the end of the night and we would have nothing. So I think we probably ate at the same restaurant, you know, five, six times. Um, a week, and we were really just looking for something uh, to solve that problem. We realized that we didn't have time to go shopping, we didn't have time to like, look for recipes or anything like that, um, and really we're looking for a way to, to fill that gap.
2: Not to mention, I mean, all the time, sitting around, uh, doing this, like, not only it's on nine, not, not a 9 to 5, but it's more like, you know, you start at 6 in the morning, you finish at around 7 o'clock in the evening, you know, you end up... Rationing out your banana loaf if you've you know decided to get breakfast early in the morning as well as getting your coffee and You know if you had time for lunch great, but by the time dinner hit you were just absolutely starving so uh, To do all that stuff. It just wasn't it really wasn't a possibility except for to eat out So we were looking
0: for that alternative and so for those of you out there who aren't familiar with meal kit delivery service How would you describe it? I describe it
2: as uh, the perfect opportunity for someone who does their you know, they're 9 to 5 or they work the 12 to 14 hour day to have the ability to go home, not think about any of the meal planning from the previous week uh, with how you're going to prepare everything, all the grocery shopping that would be associated with that. Uh, Come home and just have all the ingredients right there ready to to just be added into that pot or that pan or the combination of the two and just turn the oven on In 35 minutes to
0: 40 minutes you have something prepared. So someone would go online, they order the meals and when would they deliver it? Is it a daily thing?
1: Yeah, so we deliver once a week on Sundays. We find that Sundays are a good day. People are generally home. Uh, They're getting ready for the next week. So you get the delivery on Sunday. We have some people who start cooking on the Sunday. Um, They just can't wait to get going. They
0: just cook all three or? (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah, they're just really on top of it. Other people like to space things out uh, throughout the week so that they have meals planned, you know, if there's a busy night, maybe they are taking their kids to some sort of after after school activity, um, and that way they have everything. We provide all the ingredients, the recipe card, everything's already measured as well, so really taking away all the sort of like brain work you have to put into making a meal.
2: And not only that, we also find that people, and especially like even in my situation where you would literally only cook maybe, you know, five or six different things all the time, and you never had the variety uh, in your life or when you're looking at cooking, and so Uh, What meal kits do at least with our service is we provide brand new recipes each week So you're constantly getting the variety your family's getting the variety your kids are getting the variety They're getting exposed to new uh, different types of ingredients too if you decide to select that family plan um, That maybe they wouldn't have had the opportunity to do just because there's just not enough time today to be meal planning and grocery shopping And think of those creative ways so
0: yeah, I was was explaining the concept to my wife uh, Earlier today was just like yeah, you just order these meal kits and she said sold. I'm in where where do I sign up? I think it's because it's just you know uh, as you mentioned organizing dinner at the end of a very very busy day particularly for people who have kids is a very very uh, it's a stressful activity because you're already exhausted so yeah. sort of on, along that line who is your target audience for the meal kit delivery that's
1: a really good question it tends to be much more varied, I think, than we originally thought. We were thinking probably the young professional, um, maybe young families and that sort of thing. But we have from bachelors living by themselves, you know, they want to cook um, and eat a little bit more healthier than eating out each night or getting takeaway and that sort of thing, to to families who have two or three kids and you know their kids are busy and uh, so it's been really, really varied.
2: And interestingly, interestingly enough, we also have uh, one particular individual who just is a student. Yeah, just uh, you know, single guy. He just orders for himself, and and he just he just enjoys it. It's what he likes to do. He, you know, goes to UVic. He's local here, so yeah. So describe to me, like, what's the logistics of the delivery? So we have. We have obviously ourselves, Alyssa and, uh, and I, we are definitely out there delivering on Sundays. Uh, we also have a couple other individuals who help us uh, on Sundays as well. Uh, and between the four of us at the moment, we are on the road, ready to go, getting those things out there between 3.30 and 8.30 at night. So luckily, though, we haven't had to stay right till 8.30. We are able to get them mostly finished by around that you know, 6.30 time frame. So, uh, yeah, it's really worked out.
0: And then what's the what's the scalability? So as you guys grow, because are you are you guys growing? I think you, definitely you're yeah. definitely growing. So I, like, at what rate are you
2: growing? So it's interesting. We get tons of new customers uh, each week, tons of new inquiries each week. Like e magazine, for example, has done uh, some uh, publications on us just to kind of take a look at our business model and try and incorporate it into a lot of the different things that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, when they do they do reviews of different restaurants. They do reviews of um, meal kits. Most recently, just as uh, with respect to food delivery uh, and what that looks like.
1: I, I think also from just like a scale, right now we deliver to all the regions of the CRD except for Souk, but we do get inquiries about those different areas on like a weekly basis. You know, do you deliver to Duncan, do you deliver, do you deliver to Souk, Salt Spring Island even? So in terms of demand, it's definitely there, especially on the island. And it's definitely in demand in Vancouver. It's just really supply at the moment. Yeah.
0: I noticed too that some of the other meal kit delivery services that I was doing research on in the USA have actually expanded to deliver other items, so it's not just food anymore, it's like cutlery or it's salt yeah. and pepper shakers. Do you guys see yourselves ever approaching that? Yeah, definitely. So we
2: we thought about the retail end of our business, but I think the, the biggest thing for us is that we have such a local focus. We want to make sure that we're incorporating, you know, the... Uh, you know, the local oil, olive oils or the local salts or those sorts of things uh, really support the, um, the small businesses here in Victoria uh, as our primary focus and so doing that we want to make sure that we're carefully selecting
0: those retailers that we want to do business with. So. Yeah. so speaking of the small businesses in Victoria, is that sort of one of your business mandates is to make sure that the ingredients that go into the meal kits are supported by or produced by local organizations?
1: Yeah, we try to as much as possible source as locally as we can. We work with the root seller very, very closely. Um, In addition to Portofino Bakery, we work with the market stores, so Market on Mill Street, Market on Yates. those businesses that already support local suppliers. um, Those allow us to to really get everything that we need in terms of meat and produce, all that sort of stuff that goes into our bags on a weekly basis. So definitely a huge focus for us.
0: And you guys both seem very passionate and excited about this, so I noticed that as soon as we started this conversation. I'm just wondering why Why is it that you love this entrepreneurial opportunity?
1: It's probably different for both of us I would say. For, for me personally, um, I've always had a huge interest in, in baking in particular and cooking for sure. I think um, being part of the corporate world sort of gave me some exposure to the business side of things, and that was really interesting to me, but it's always you're wanting to have a bit more ownership of it and a bit more control of it, I would say. And then filling this sort of niche that really hasn't been filled yet. And We initially started out wanting to do frozen meals, and very, very, very quickly realized that there's only so many different variations of frozen meals that you can create, so having this i think the world possibility is just is huge for it so that's really exciting
2: yeah and so from my perspective it's like i've always been involved in business and uh, my undergrads in business so it's in commerce and so part of that it was about you know finding that niche product finding that uh, that business model that's really going to take you and, and be scalable and take you to the next level and so that in combination with the passion for food and the passion for cooking and that sort of thing uh, i think it's really been the thing that has propelled us forward and Alyssa and I, Alyssa comes from more from an HR background, myself from more from a logistics operations background between the two of us, you know, we carry each other's strengths and, and you know offset our, our weaknesses with, with one of those abilities.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that freaks you out about this type of industry or, or taking that leap into the entrepreneurial world? Yeah, definitely. I think you, I think you definitely get freaked
2: out, uh, you get freaked out because you are the product of what you put out there and that product is what you hope people are investing in yeah. when you get when you get that customer and you have that brand new customer. You don't want anybody to leave unhappy, and so you really understand why there's such a huge customer focus. And so, you know, Alyssa and I have been out delivering tomatoes until <laughs> eight o'clock at night because we realized that a tomato was forgotten in one of the bags. And this was in our early this was in our earlier days. Yeah. So there has been there has been those moments and those moments where you really realize that you're providing that convenience, you're providing that alleviation of stress, and if that customer doesn't have everything that they need and they do not have all the ability to create what you have created for them at their fingertips, then what do you have? You don't really have anything. So there's a massive risk in there. And just being your own boss and making sure that you're making all those right decisions and you know, making sure your photo resolutions are at the right resolution so when they go out, they look great, it's yeah. all those things. Everything, every single thing that you do every single day has an element of risk to it,
0: so. And I guess you guys feel a sense of the business is almost a part of you. Do, do I get that with you guys? I
1: think definitely, especially now, it's sort of like you eat, breathe, and sleep, local urban bites, it's, you know, what you think of when you first wake up in the morning, it's what you, you know, put, like, put away last at night, you know, you're checking emails, checking to make sure that nothing has come up, so yeah, I think it's a huge part of our lives right now.
0: And with that tomato, like that's, I mean, that's probably, that's one example. So did someone notice that their tomatoes were not included in the box? And yeah, one person did. And so that one person
2: made us think, we went back to that recipe card. And we looked at the recipe card and we realized very quickly that that is not even a listed ingredient, but where it was listed wasn't the title.
1: And the picture.
2: And the picture. So we quickly realized this is a recipe that could not do without, it needed that tomato. So we looked at all the people who ordered that meal and it was a very popular meal. And we wanted to make sure that everybody had their tomato at the time. So it's stuff like that. It's, and then of course the element of risk that's associated with just being out on your own and still having bills to pay, still having a certain lifestyle that you want to maintain all those different elements and making, and at the end
0: of the day, you're the one who's paid last. Yeah. So, and what about your, like, do you guys get a lot of customer feedback?
1: We do. We get some unsolicited feedback, and we get some feedback that we definitely ask for. We send out an email after each order that goes out just to get an idea of what people thought of it, what they liked, what they didn't like, if they thought we could change anything. But we also get people who give us feedback to spur of the moment. You know, they're asking a question, and even today, someone was asking, you know, what the general delivery time was, um, and they gave us a bunch of positive feedback in addition to saying thank you for the information that we provided them. So that's always amazing for us to get you know it's a a nice you know motivation to keep going because sometimes you just you just send it out there and you're not really sure what people think if they are liking it or not liking it so any sort of feedback you can get is just amazing we we think about it we use it we act upon it all the time yeah
0: so sort of changing gears a bit uh, you mentioned earlier like the restaurants so what is the restaurant what do you think the restaurant's reaction is to the meal kit delivery industry because you have to think that it could be taking out some of their potential market share, or is there opportunities to coexist? Well, I certainly think that when you take a look at, when you take a look at the whole market, and you
2: take a look at the restaurants that are out there, all the new restaurants that are are popping up all over the place, particularly in Victoria, um, and then you take a look at meal kit delivery, and the kind of service that we're in, not every single person eats out every single day. So with that, we're more of a compliment, I would say, um, just, with respect to the restaurant industry, um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, just, you know, looking at it from that perspective, most people don't typically eat out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's just not something that naturally occurs to people. Mm-hmm. They're more of the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, even Sunday, I would say. So for us, it's kind of, it's a bit of a compliment. Um, certainly there will be situations and times I think where, you know, we'll be, we'll be taking from, you know, restaurants if, if people decide to make their meal kit or they want a home-cooked meal. Um, but, I certainly don't think that we're we're a major competitor for them at the moment.
1: No, I think, that, I think the program is sort of designed around the fact that people eat out, but people also want to cook at home. We only provide three meals a week, so that leaves you four other days to, to do what you want to do, given the fact that Corey was saying, like, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, people tend to go well, people have plans, they do other things, so I think we can definitely coexist. Yeah.
0: whenever we go for dinner my family one of the best parts about it is that we don't have to clean up dishes afterwards It's like the huge sell well that's actually a very interesting (laughs)
2: component too because I think oftentimes what happens and I can hear it because I'm sitting there on my computer and I'm usually doing something and Alyssa's selecting the meals and making sure that when the ingredients are being put into the pan it's like well no we're not going to we're not going to we're not going to use three or four dishes here, or three or four pots and pans. We're going to try and focus on only using maybe one or two. So really there's a yeah. massive focus yeah. on that because if Alyssa
1: doesn't want if to do it- I don't want to do it, I know someone else is not going to do, want to do it at the end of their work day. Like if I'm doing it at noon and I have all the time in the world to do it and I don't want to put <laughs> in that much effort, then I'm sure someone else is not going to want to do that. So
0: you consider that in the meal plan development with regards to the amount of dishes required? Definitely. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. No. This, this gets better and better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah so you develop all the meals yourselves then absolutely
1: yeah sourcing from a bunch of different inspiration you know it's almost a daily process you know, going out to restaurants, looking at magazines, looking on the internet, talking with people. Inspiration really comes from everywhere. And then tailoring it, though, to the needs of this business is definitely um, unique in that fact. You're not able to just take any recipe or think of any idea and and translate it directly to, to a meal kit delivery service. It's just, you know, there's other factors that have to be taken into consideration.
2: Yeah, so sticking on that, I mean, even if you just take a look at just wild rice from last week and you realize there is the the normal way that you can go ahead and you can boil rice, which usually takes a small lifetime. And then there's parboiled rice, which will actually give you the opportunity to spend less time waiting for the, waiting for the rice to boil. Yeah. So there are those considerations. And then there's also the fact that really you want a home-cooked meal in less than about 35 minutes you don't want to be spending all of your time and energy dealing with something for an hour an hour and a half and so things that require like you know marinating for the for an hour hour and a half it's just not a possibility for us so we find ways to make it a possibility without having to put the time investment in along those same lines with the restaurants is that i wonder what's
0: the impact to grocery stores because i know i'm sure the groceries i guess is the other element that your business sort of competes with so have you heard any feedback from grocery stores with regards to the service you're providing or is there opportunities for partnership someday?
1: I would say we, we definitely partner with the grocery stores. We have to get our supplies from somewhere and those tend to be grocery stores. So the root seller, for instance, you know, we're not necessarily in competition with them. We're definitely supporting them through our business. We have a partnership with them so that, you know, they're supplying with us with everything that we need. But. Um, but, you know, we're also giving them business as well. So, yeah. we're actually, I think, kind of doing them a favor because we are doing all the, the shopping and the delivery for them, but um, but they're still getting the business for it from, from us.
2: Yeah, I think the biggest thing, as long as you're a local grocery, grocery store company, I think that it's very much a partnership. Now, if you're not a local grocery store company, well, then maybe there's an opportunity for, you know, some business not to be going into those particular areas where maybe those individuals would shop, but... Yeah. We definitely, because we have such a local focus that way, we're, you know, because it is a local focus, we will support local as much as we can. And so that means dealing with those local grocers who also support those local businesses that have their, their products in there. So. And
0: speaking of sort of the social aspects and community aspect is that eating dinner is all, you, it's a social event, right? As they always say, like family should always eat together, right? Because it's an opportunity to talk. Mm-hmm. So do you think that your the meal kit delivery promotes that and encourages that for a family to get together and, and eat? and talk and say oh how was your day how was your day yeah I mean
2: I can (laughs) speak those fun conversations (laughs) I can speak for my family and I know for a fact that my parents uh, just really could care less about the whole cooking aspect the going out and shopping the going ahead and you know thinking about what it is that they want to make but with the meal kit delivery service, I mean granted they are my parents so who knows what's going on there right? when it comes to like supporting me or whether they genuinely like it but they always come back, they keep coming back and they talk about the fact that they they constantly they cook dinner together. So they cook dinner together, I know that my, uh, my brother has been over at my parents place and he will get involved and he will cook and they will all be in the kitchen, that never used to happen. So the actual act of cooking now I think more so than ever with meal kit delivery with this particular kind of industry allows families to bond while they're cooking, in yeah. addition to being to bonding at the dinner table, which is something I, I don't think really traditionally has happened before.
1: No, and then just to build off of that, it's actually quite surprising in my own opinion. So Corey is talking about how he has his parents and his brother who both use the service. We actually have quite a few outside customers who do the same thing, quite a few mothers and daughters and or like fathers and sons who buy, buy the meal kits. Uh, they each live separately but the actual buying of the meals and cooking of the meals brings them together they can have each other over for dinner we hear the customer comments when we deliver to them um so i would say it definitely brings people together both in the cooking aspect of things and also just sitting around the table and eating together
0: yeah is that a tool that you use for sales That fact of inspires community you know i think that we could probably we could probably incorporate that a
2: lot more into a lot of the things that we a lot of things that we do but uh, we know that that is a natural effect that comes from our type of business and we know that people They get involved like we have we have um, uh, This couple this, uh this older couple who uh, Orders from us on a frequent basis and recently her daughter got on board and so we know that They've been over together and they've been cooking her meals like Alyssa said. So we know that there is that uh, natural element of how things kind of fall in that never used to be the case. We also know too that where people would be absolutely terrified of cooking or getting into the kitchen or, you know, just didn't even know how to boil water, Mm -hmm. really, Uh, they now are feeling confident in the kitchen. Novice cooks, people people who don't normally spend their time in the kitchen, they are in there, they're making it for themselves and people who do shift work, it's perfect for them because it doesn't mean that one person always has to Think about what it is that they're going to cook or that other person doesn't have to worry about whether or not their their significant other is getting all the new nu- all the nutrients that they need you know from whatever meal that they decide to prepare because craft dinner we all know does not contain a whole host of nutrients that yeah. is something
0: you want to live off of so and i guess that when people are getting to know each other or with each other sometimes having conversations it doesn't always just come naturally but i think that they found that when you're actually doing something together and i guess that's why they always say you should, when you go on a first date you should go you know, go do a cooking class. <laughs> they should go to a cooking <laughs> class. Yeah, or go hiking or do something outdoors. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, even within a family or uh, a couple or whatever it may be, cooking together is that opportunity to do something together and that inspires conversation which inspires relationships and Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, definitely. Yeah, and it gives them something interesting to talk about as well. Yeah. Um i think a lot of we try to incorporate ingredients that are not necessarily you know your everyday things so it gives people an opportunity to try something new or maybe they're trying a different cooking technique and that is always a fun thing to do with the people you love so
0: so then changing gears a bit is that do you guys consider yourself a tech company if you if you mean by tech we offer
2: everything online then certainly everything is online but if you mean tech in terms of uh you know, is there something super unique that no one else could really do in, uh, from a technological standpoint, I would say, I would say no, but we definitely incorporate a lot of the online stuff and a lot of the, the things that I think tech companies strive for, which is innovation, efficiency, and just making sure that, um, you're moving forward in a sustainable way in whatever way you can. So with us. You know, when we take a look at even from things like packaging, Mm -hmm. you know, we want to make sure that we're using fully recyclable materials, biodegradable materials, stuff that has already been recycled, um, stuff that can be reusable. So, you know, we have different innovations from that end of things and not necessarily from a tech perspective, but it allows us, because everything is online, it allows us to be able to do those sorts of things
0: that maybe you couldn't do if you are a brick and mortar operation. And then what about data? So do you guys collect data?
1: We collect a lot of data, I would say. Um in terms of you know, how people are accessing the website, how are they ordering, um, what are they using to order, we find that a lot of people, you know, in the fact that whether or not we are a tech company, we try to appeal to people's lifestyles now. So, you know, do you have a, a smartphone? Is that how you're accessing? Is that how you're ordering um, our product? And well, we want to make sure that, you know, our website is very compatible with that, it's very easy to order, um, very user friendly in, in that sense. So all of that data is really important to, for us, um, as well as, you know, how many times people are coming onto the website and that sort of thing as well.
2: Yeah, when you send an email, you can, you can, you can really figure out kind of uh, where those hot buttons are. Like when you put something into an email, you know kind of how things are being navigated um, from that perspective just through, through different companies that we work with externally. So I think there's, there's a lot of information that you need to gather in order to be able to do a job, to be able to provide the, your customers with the very best uh,
0: product and the very best service. You need data to be able to do that. Yeah. And is was there so there's probably real time data with regards to how people are enjoying the food, or is there an opportunity for them to rate how much they enjoyed it, or do you sort of wait for that for customer feedback?
1: I think we use social media quite a bit um, to gather that information. You know, we have our formal routes through through email, informal routes through email. People getting back to us are really informally through just you know face to face conversation when you're um, at their at their house. Uh, other than that, though, I think social media has been really important for us. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter—all those things where people are able to give their feedback in a in a way that in a, in a way that they use frequently. So lots of people have Instagram, lots of people have Facebook. So we solicit a lot of information that way, you know, through reviews and that sort of thing. Yeah.
0: What has there been one meal in particular that just like stood out with regards to customer reviews?
1: So initially, we tried out this theory where people on the West Coast. Would we thought that they would really like to eat healthy, and so we would provide all these you know, quinoa bowls with superfoods and like that sort of thing? And no one ordered it, no one. Uh, we would have maybe like one or two token people who would order that meal, but you know, those I think the meals that sort of uh you know are reminiscent to people of their childhood are very comforting you know pastas baked pastas um burgers are a really big hit for us too and then like I was saying like those holiday meals so you know roast chicken or roast uh pork tenderloin I think you know really hit home for our for our customers
2: burgers too yeah like whether they be salmon burgers or turkey burgers or you know anything of that nature they're they're huge people love that especially as we approach summertime like that's a that's going to become you know, more of a focus for them. The other thing too is flatbreads as well.
1: Flatbreads, flatbreads yeah. yeah, ethnic food as well. Yeah. We had a samosa galette, which yeah. to describe it is sort of like a samosa, like deconstructed. So it has some puff past pastry and everything that you would have in the samosa in it, inside of it had huge reviews on that something i think out of the box something that people would never normally cook on their own but once they put it all together they were i think both impressed by themselves that they had created this thing and um, also very um happy with the way it tasted and that sort of thing
0: what about just a day of bacon like a, a pure bacon day has that ever been considered <laughs> <laughs> we we did do we did do one it's just like the, the, yeah the pictures just a plate of bacon yeah.
2: and just no. see where that goes yeah the, no bacon the, but we decided at one point in time yeah. and we decided this was back when oh no bacon no wasn't bacon oh no we
1: did incorporate, there was some things there was bacon. some things with bacon, <laughs> bacon in it
2: but we decided to do a breakfast for dinner option. And let me tell you that that probably will not happen again, or at least no. not for a very long time. What, what happened? Well, let's just put it this way: we did not even realize the amount of eggs. Just the transporting of the eggs right. alone, and the packaging <laughs> of the eggs, and thinking that you have enough time in your kitchen space to be able to to be able to put it all together, it was a it was a bit of an issue because everything yeah. had eggs in it, and when six of the recipes have eggs in it. And you have multiple people order, or multiple households order, is eggs add up very quickly. Yeah. I think we were giving people up to like two dozen eggs for just for just their three meals that week in some
1: cases. Yeah. So, yeah. Even if something that didn't have eggs in it, like it wasn't like scrambled eggs, we'd be like pancakes, and those pancakes would have eggs in them too. Yeah. So it was just every single recipe had eggs. And what's the what's
0: the problem with eggs? Is it just the transport of eggs or is it Well, so you can the transport of eggs for
2: sure, but then just the, the packaging alone. And how are you going to package when someone when someone has nine eggs or, you know, that odd number, seven eggs? So it doesn't really work with, like, six. got to package that other one or well the thing you, know, you got to the, package they, the other one.
1: Even if someone required a dozen eggs for that meal, the nature of our business is that we try and package things so that it's exactly the portion that you need to make that mm-hmm. recipe. So let's say you have... Uh, three, so you have three recipes, but they each have different quantities of eggs. You're having to package each of those different eggs separately, even though total that customer only needs 12 yeah. eggs. you can't actually give them a carton of 12 eggs. Yeah. You're having to separate them and package them all individually. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. And, and eggs are so high risk too because of you know cracking egg can go wrong very very quickly. Yes. From experience, so if you lose one, then it's just game over. Well, exactly. Yeah. Luckily, yeah. eggs are one of the more common
2: things <laughs> that you'll find in their fridge. But yeah, <laughs> if it's oh not it, my completely God. outside Destroy the, destroyed the egg. Where do, I, where do I find another one of these things? <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: Very similar reminiscent to the uh, to the tomato experience that we yeah. had. Yeah. So you guys are just based in the Victoria Capital Region right now, in British Columbia. So do you guys have any plans or um, wishes to sort of expand beyond? Yeah, so we definitely, like
2: Alyssa was saying before, we do have uh, quite a few inquiries, just Up Island has inquiries from Salt Spring, although I don't know if Salt Spring's gonna be an opportunity for us uh, you know, anytime soon, just based on the, the logistics of getting it there, but um, certainly Up Island, for sure, uh, is something that we can see happening you know, within the next six months to a year. Uh, And then there's also, um, you know, even looking beyond that and just trying to figure out how this kind of, how local urban bites can be translated into another community or into another city. Um, You know, perhaps where someone else would also like to open a chapter there because we really want to make sure that we're focused more on the reusable bag aspect of things, more of the sustainability side of it, uh, and less so on the sheer volume of packaging that um, you can find in, you know, in other services similar to ours where there is a lot of packaging for the food that you have. So um, I think with with keeping that focus, it's really important for us to, to scale, but scale responsibly.
1: Yeah, I would say so. Really trying to limit our carbon footprint, footprint on things. There's a lot of companies out there shipping long distances. So like Corey was saying, if you can create different chapters that are local to that community, that's really what we, we'd be aiming for. Yeah. yeah.
0: So in closing, last question is that, What advice would you give to other people interested in beginning their own startup or pursuing a career as an entrepreneur? Taking that leap of faith from the corporate world, which you guys both did, into running your own business.
1: I would say do your research ahead of time. Do your research while you still have uh, time to do your research. We put in a lot of time. We thought initially into making sure that we had all our eyes dotted and our t's crossed. But then, when you actually get there and you are having to deal with things, um, it just becomes, you know, quite quite overwhelming. Quite a lot that you need to uh, take into consideration. So, as much as you can do ahead of time, I would definitely do that. And then I think also, you know, you have to remember to keep the fun in it <laughs> and uh, not get so lost in the details and, you know, you know some of the pitfalls that you're inevitably going to come across. So how do you, how do you keep things fun? Uh, we do lots of different things, I would say. I mean, I think we were friends before we were business partners. So... Uh, you know, keeping that aspect of things, things there. And also, you know, being able to laugh at yourself, you know, when we're out delivering tomatoes at eight o'clock at night, yeah. you know, finding the levity in that, in the fact that you're literally out there delivering tomatoes, you've quit your job and this is what you're doing. So <laughs> keeping it all in perspective.
2: Yeah. I think. yeah and, uh, you know, for myself, the advice that I would give, you know, entrepreneurs or people who are looking to aspire to become, you know, their own self-employed, individual with their own company is basically to uh, it's okay to make mistakes even though for someone like myself I kick myself every time whenever like that email doesn't go out and it's not perfect or we miss tomatoes it's like that immediate like oh gosh what is going to happen as a result of this like that's the that's the key thing for me is that it's okay sometimes to make mistakes and that your customers are mostly forgiving um, especially the ones that constantly return, they know. They just know that you've you've tried your best. You did. You did all you can. Um, they do. I think expect a certain level of perfection and a certain level of convenience. But they also, with the customers, we've been very fortunate. They've they're very forgiving and they're very they're very lighthearted and they're great. And we wouldn't have what we have without their support. So I think, like Alyssa said, just sometimes you've got to laugh at yourself and just be and just be okay sometimes with the fact that you tried your best, and that if that image goes out and it's not the perfect resolution, it'll be okay. Next week, you'll have the opportunity to do it again. Or if that poster goes out and it's not 100% correct, there are ways... But there's it some it
1: spelling mistake on some emotional
2: And that spelling mistake <laughs> just
0: <laughs> burns into your <laughs> mind. So perfect. don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Is that sort of the... That's good. Yeah. 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 That's, that's good. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much. It's localurbanbites.com, and you guys are contagiously... Uh, optimistic and positive i think it's great you guys are uh, a great role models for anyone else who wants to start an organization so all the listeners out there make sure you go out there to local i know it's based in the victoria and the surrounding areas now but who knows it might expand further and i'm sure that you guys would be more than willing to offer any advice or feedback if anyone were interested in contacting you guys is that fair to say yes yeah. definitely yeah okay. very cool well i'm very uh i'm looking forward i'm, I'm going to look at it tonight and i'm going to i'm going to sign up for it i think next week to test Test it up because I'm excited you guys got me super hungry, although I would really like a bacon-themed bacon, <laughs> <a laughs> <a> bacon <laughs> day. I really think there's a, there's a niche market there so uh, much. Sure. <laughs>
1: <For> sure. <laughs> cool.
0: Well, thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Awesome. awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank <laughs> you. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Hopefully, you're not too hungry after listening to that. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to spread the word or perhaps even write a review on iTunes. And be sure to find out more at monorailcity.com. In closing, remember to be kind to your neighbors, support your local libraries, and remember that food is meant to be enjoyed with other people, so be sure to give Local Urban Bites a try. Take care. Montorail City, Montorail City, a place for me and you. Montorail City, Montorail City, where all your dreams come true.